Well, before we get, before we get to the Word this morning, uh, there is something that we are really excited to be able to share with you about. Uh, God, as He always is, doing amazing things. I, I'm telling you, I have been so blessed by God this week. And just the, the things that He has allowed me to, to see and to learn and to become a part of. And it's amazing. But, uh, you know, we try and help you understand that, that even though we're a local church, we have a global impact. And um, eventually we're going to, you see the, the flags that are out in the foyer, there are a whole lot more that eventually will be up to show you all the countries that, that your giving impacts across the, the world. But uh, there is an opportunity, we have a, a, just an exciting uh, video for you to see about what's going to be happening with some of the family here and an opportunity for us to be able to support in prayer and finances. So if you would just show that video. I have to tell you, I have the best seat in the house because I'm able to look at Mark and Lori while they're looking at themselves. And isn't it uncomfortable? <laughs> but didn't they do a great job? Woo! And I'm telling you, I am so excited about them going and, and sharing this with us uh, because we, we need to be praying for them. Amen? Start praying now. You know, the Bible tells us that... that there are golden vials that the prayers of the saints are stored up in and poured out at the time God wants to pour them out. So, you know, prayer now for then is good, but prayer while they're there is good too. But on top of that, we have the opportunity to financially support them. And so we are, are opening this up to the body here to say, you know, we, we really believe we need to support them in a big way. 
But you need to find out what it is that God has for you to do. We all have a part. And, and whatever your part is, if you're open to God, he'll reveal it to you. And I want you to know obedience is better than anything else. Being obedient to God makes everything possible. You know, God always has more than enough. And if we who he has entrusted it to make ourselves available to him to say, all right, Lord, all that I have, you gave me. Where do you want it? Because just like this church, we believe that we're a distribution point. We aren't here to hold on to stuff. We're here to get the things that God has gotten to us wherever God wants it, when God wants it there. So between now and when? March 19th. They leave Sunday the 19th. So begin to pray. Ask God what it is that he would have you possibly financially give. And if you give, give it to the church. Put it in an envelope. Mark it Uganda. And we will send them off with one large sum. Amen. I'm excited about you guys. And then they're going to come back and they're going to report and show us the amazing and wonderful and miraculous and life-giving things that God did through them and all around them. Amen? Let's give another hand to God. God, thank you. You know, isn't it, sometimes people are a little weird about that. When I'm clapping for God. You clap for all sorts of things. Why would we not appreciate God? And, and uh, the Bible says we're supposed to laud him, which is a word that can be applied to applaud. And it's not saying, okay, you did a good job. It's saying, thank you for the great job you always do. Amen? Well, we're going to get into the word today. We're going to continue where we've been dealing with the, the resurrection life. And good morning, Resurrection Life Church. That name. It's just powerful because God is a resurrection, God of resurrection life, and, and not just this church, but, but of real life and life more abundant. And uh, um, thank you for being here this morning. You could have been somewhere else. You could have been doing all sorts of things because I've heard that there is a game today. Oh, tonight. Yeah, something about a game. Uh, it's the... Uh, Puppy Bowl? No. The Super Bowl. It's the world championship for football. Do you know that, that uh, the viewership of the Super Bowl has been going down for many, many years? It just continues to go down. This year, uh, they believe that it's going to go back up, but they believe that it... I've been reading different statistics. Some believe it'll be 100,000-plus 130,000, one said 100 and, I'm sorry, million, 190 million people will view the Super Bowl on TV, on, on live feeds, online, all sorts of things. And that's, that's a lot of people. Now, whether you know it or not, there are going to be two Christian commercials. And, and it's from a, an organization that is called He Gets Us. How many of you have seen any of the commercials? They are really compelling. And I want you to know, we, when we first saw these, we were like, those are great. Who are these people? Well, we couldn't find out initially, but we have found out that, that uh, the owner of Hobby Lobby and a number of, of 
Christians that we would say we, we are in the same category with. They're the ones that support this. And uh, these commercials are going to be seen by saved and unsaved people. As a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, these commercials need to compel me and convict me that if I'm not living the life that Jesus is being shown to live of unconditional love, of kindness, of, of patience, of generosity, then I need to adjust my life. And for the people out there that think Jesus is this judgmental, harsh person, they're going to see who he really is. He is love. And yet he is holy. And this is where we, we, can, we can recognize that these commercials can challenge us, but also draw people to Christ. And know that there are opportunities this week, because most of your friends, I would imagine, are going to watch the Super Bowl. And sometimes people watch the Super Bowl more for the commercials than they do the game, because the game kind of gets out of hand. But you'll be able to engage people in conversations about this. So be praying, watch for them, be praying, be considering how you and I need to adjust our lives and, and how we can engage people in conversations about who Christ really is. Amen? All right. Now, the other thing about the game, did you know that both quarterbacks are Christians? Yeah. Uh, let me just read you a couple of things. Um, Mr. Mahomes uh, said this, before every game I, I walk on the field and I just do a prayer at the goal post. And I thank God for the opportunities and I thank God for letting me be on the stage where I can glorify him. The biggest thing I pray for is that whatever happens, win or lose, that I'm going to glorify him and do everything the way he wants me to. That is awesome. That is awesome. And Mr. Hertz, Jalen Hertz, um, expressed some of the same things. He said this, I realize God is everything. He is worthy of all praise. You have to put him at the center of everything you do. So these are two men that have been elevated to this place and, and they're able to impact and influence people. And, and wouldn't you like to have that kind of platform to be able to impact and influence people? But do you know there's a lot of pressure that goes with that? To, to, not, to conform, to not speak out, there are a lot of times, there are more times now happening in our media where people are giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're silencing what they're saying. Just like they would a curse word. But they're not silencing the curse words. And so there is a real bias, but it's a skewed bias. And, and that's why when God has people like this and God has people like you and me, we all have a platform. We all have people we can influence, and we need to make the most of it. I am telling you right now, I am seeing more and more things that would indicate the return of the Lord could be any time. And there's a lot of work to be done. We, we need to be reaching the people that, that Jesus died for, and they don't know it yet. Amen? And so it's, it's important. It's important that we make the most of every opportunity that's around us, whether it's a commercial with the Super Bowl, whether it's sharing with people about 
these quarterbacks and, and how their, their trust, their confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ and how they see he's the one that has helped them navigate to get to where they are. You know, there are people that look up to them and know nothing about that, and, and we need to help them see who's behind every good and perfect gift. Amen? Well, we've been talking about the, uh, the vision that God gave Ezekiel and how Ezekiel was in a place in captivity in Babylon with a lot of the Israelites and how things were very, very dark. They were very difficult. And, and the majority of the people of Israel had lost all their hope. Uh, we, we saw that in verse 11 of chapter 37 of Ezekiel and how they said, we've lost all hope and our, our nation is done for. So their hope was dead and their expectation of what their nation was going to be was dead. There was a lot of death. And God took Ezekiel out, out into a, uh, a valley, a very big valley, and it said the valley was full. The valley floor was full of scattered, very dry bones, which indicated that you know, even, even the skeletons that had died there now were dismembered, and maybe it had happened before they died. But everything was mixed up, everything was divided, and everything was very, very dead. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Can they become living people? And Ezekiel answers him and says, O sovereign Lord, only you know the answer to that. In that moment, it very clearly reveals who Ezekiel is looking to, who Ezekiel is depending on. And, and last week we talked about how Ezekiel was in, in the midst of this nation of people who had lost their hope, had lost their, their confidence that their, their nation would continue, and yet he, he had this hope. He had this, this expectation of God. He was unique. And God is looking, and we talked about the fact that in uh, First Chronicles, uh, it says God's eyes go to and fro across all the earth looking for those whose hearts are fully turned towards him, to show himself strong on their behalf. You know, in this time, we, we've been looking at this, this vision of these dry, dead bones, divided bones, scattered everywhere. And it's very s similar to what we're seeing in our country, in our world, in our communities, in our families, in our churches. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of death. And so this is very applicable to, to us personally, to us as a church, to us as Americans, to us as human beings. And God has a plan. How many of you know God always has a plan? And God's plan is always for good. It's always life-giving. That's why we can't, we shouldn't fall prey to the deception of the enemy like Adam and Eve did when the enemy started asking them questions. Did God really say? And, and is he really giving you everything you need? Isn't he not holding out on you? 
And that deception brings a division between us and God, which begins to bring a division everywhere else. And, and that's where we can't go anywhere else to anything or anyone else other than God to get light. And just as Ezekiel just trusted God, and, and he feared God, and he reverenced God, and he obeyed God all because he had this hope in God. He had this fear of God, this, this, this reverence, this honor, this respect, this awe of God. And, and we talked last week about how we need to get that back. Ezekiel had it, and because he did, God was able to use him. How many of you know Ezekiel couldn't raise the bones? Only God could raise the bones. But how many of you know God gave Ezekiel a part in this? A part that he could do. What was his part to do? Speak, prophesy. And God told him what to prophesy. He said, you're going to speak to these bones and have these bones hear the word of the Lord. And then he said, this is what's going to happen. And, and last week in verse 7, we started to, to really unpack this and see how there was such a, uh, a real demonstration of his fear of the Lord, his honor of God, his respect of God, his awe of God, because it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Man, he did not want to miss a beat with God because he had such, such awe of God, such such respect of God, such love for God. And so he did exactly as he was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, sinews and, and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. So just as God spoke to him, what was going to happen, happened. How many of you know you can count on what God says? See, if you don't believe that, you don't have a fear of God. You don't have a respect of God. You don't have a reverence of God. Because God is not like anybody else. God is not a man that he would lie. You see, when his word goes forth, the Bible says his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish that which he sent it forth to accomplish and prosper in the way it goes. The Bible tells us heaven and earth will pass away before any one of God's words will pass away. There is a stability and a security in God's word that is beyond anything you and I have ever been exposed to anywhere else. And yet, the enemy is trying to always get us to question, well, did God really say that? Is that what he really means? You can count on the fact that if he said it, he means it. And if he said it, he's going to do it. And you and I have a choice. Are we going to be co-laborers with him or are we going to be on the outside looking in? I tell you right now, there are going to be a lot of Christians because the Bible talks about the great falling away. And it's happening. It's happening all around us. People are disengaging in their, their faith with God. And, and they're going to watch and they're going to see stuff going on. And there are a number of parables in the Bible that speak about how there are people that are in the same place and they, one leaves and the other one's there. This is talking about the rapture. There are these virgins and how some 
were wise enough to have oil, and some didn't, and they had to go get oil. And when they went to get oil, the bridegroom, Jesus, coming back for the bride, the church, came, and they went away, and those that weren't prepared didn't get in. Well, that's really bad of God. No, that's not. He's told us to be prepared. We're supposed to be always looking, expecting the return of the Lord. It's not supposed to be a surprise. And yet, there are people that are, that are you know what, I've done this Christian thing. I've done this church thing. I, I don't have any time for that anymore. They have lost the fear of the Lord. And it is dangerous to have that happen. And yet, Ezekiel feared the Lord. He spoke what he was commanded to speak, and things started to happen. Things began to go on. God is moving in the world. You're not going to hear it on the 6 o'clock news. You're not going to hear it on the weekend wrap-up. But I'm telling you right now, every person that we are involved with, that, that the Winograds, uh, Jason Laws and World Compassion, all these different organizations, SOS, they are seeing this revival happening. More people coming to the Lord than they've ever seen before. More miracles being done than ever before. Now, why aren't we seeing it more in America? Because there's a lot of doubt and unbelief. There are a lot of wishy-washy Christians. There is not the fear of the Lord in the United States that there needs to be. This absolute sellout to God. And God is looking for people to sell out and say, that's it. I'm done doubting. I'm done going between this one and that one. Because the Bible tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded is, okay, I believe God today, but I don't know if I can trust him tomorrow. Now, do we all have challenges with, with trusting God? Yeah, but we need to be at least honest with God like the man who had a son who came to the disciples and said, my son is, is throwing himself in the water and in the fire. Do something about it. And you know what? They tried. And then Jesus came and, and he ministered to this father and cast the demon out of the son. And, and before he did, he said to the father, can you believe? Now, this man is one of my heroes. And we don't even know his name. Because he said to Jesus, help my unbelief. I struggle. You know, you got to be honest with God because he knows anyways. And when we struggle, don't quit, but be honest and say, help my unbelief. Help me, God, I'm struggling. Lord, I'm struggling in this. But we got to do our part too. I'm telling you, nobody can believe for you like you can. And that's where you and I, we have to come to that place. Or we say, okay, you know, in this, I'm, I, I, Lord, I feel pretty confident. I know enough of the word. I've got enough scriptures to, to really fortify and found me to be able to stand strong. But this area, I'm not. So I need to build that up but be, until I do. Lord, help me. Help me. And you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't say to that man that we don't know the name of. He didn't say, are you kidding me? Well, I'm out of here. 
He healed his son. God's going to meet you and me right where we are. God's not, God's not making us get somewhere. God's right there, right where we are. But listen, God loves us right there, but he loves us too much to leave us there. God knows as we develop, there's more that he can bring us into and use us in. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be on the sidelines when we see the glory of God begin to just fill the earth. And it's coming, folks. It is coming. So we got to this and we read that, but there was no breath in them. So there, there, these bones, he's prophesying as the Lord told him to prophesy. He's speaking the word of the Lord. These bones hear the word of the Lord. And they start to rattle and they start to move. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing that? I had a doctor tell me something when, when I was in my accident and my, my right foot was almost completely ripped off the end of my leg. He said, the strangest thing happened. I've never seen it happen before. He said, when we got in there, the first doctor said, we can't find your ankle. So we went to Syracuse to find somebody who could find my ankle. And we got there, and the doctor said, as we realigned it, it went, there was a noise, and it just sucked back together. I believe that's God. I believe that's God. And so these bones suck back together. All of a sudden, bones are flying here and there because they, they were scattered everywhere. And there's, there's a full skeleton. And then the next thing, there are skeletons. Now there are whole skeletons all over the floor of this valley. And then the next thing is there are sinews. There, there are tendons that are coming together to hold those bones in place. And then flesh, muscles that are coming on, and then skin comes on. And there are all these bodies as far as you can see. Man, these whole perfectly, perfectly restored bodies everywhere. But there's no breath in them. How many of you know a body without breath is not going to have life? And so, so... God again speaks to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's seen this miracle. Now this all represents the nation of Israel. That the divisions that are there and the damage that's been done there is all going to be restored to what it should be. I want you to know that's what God wants to do in your life, in your family. He wants to do in the church where there's no division, there's complete restoration, and there's unity. I'm going to tell you this right now. We'll get into it coming up. But the fear of the Lord is one of the keys to unity. And unity is a key to revival. We talked about this. We, I taught on this for weeks and weeks and weeks. About unity. And how important it is. And that's why the enemy is working so hard to keep us divided. But there was a, a uniting of these pieces, but there still wasn't life in the body. And so at this point in verse, verse 9, it goes on to say, And he 
also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The word breath is the word, it's a very, very unique word. It's a word that means wind, it means breath, but it also means spirit. And it's a word that's used for Holy Spirit. When they refer to Holy Spirit, they speak this word. And prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. That's like saying to the bones. The bones represented people. Say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord. Say to the breath, it is not just wind. It is not just breath. It is the Spirit of God. Say to the Spirit of God. Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they would what? Live. That they would live. God doesn't want us being just people that are walking around without real life in us. And there are people out there that don't have the life of Christ in them, but that's not you. You and I have the life of God in us. We have the Spirit of God in us. We are not just normal people. And we shouldn't act like normal people. Do you know? You do. I know you do. You're smart. But sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't have the perspective. It's not always there that when I get into a situation that isn't what God would want it to be, that, oh, God's there. The kingdom of God. The Bible says, wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you step, the kingdom of God is at hand. What kingdom is above the kingdom of God? None. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What is there that you and I can step into that we don't have the opportunity to see victory? That's right, nothing. Zero. Nada. I don't know any more words. Nothing. Wherever you go, you step there and God is there. It's not just me, it's God in me. And do you know what the Bible says? Christ in me is the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Don't we want to see the glory of God in the earth? Man, it's coming. Through you, as you and I let God have his way. Oh, Lord. Man, the Bible tells us that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. How is that going to happen? They're going to have a knowledge of God's glory because they're going to see Christ in you. They're going to see you bringing the kingdom of God. They're going to see you. When all hell's breaking loose, all heaven is coming to your rescue. We're living in the days that the people that we read about in the books of the Bible were looking forward to. They wanted to be here at this time because this is such a pivotal time 
is a time where God is pouring out a spirit on all flesh. The problem is, if I were to have a series of, of glasses up here on a table and I had uh, water and I poured it over all of them, only the ones that were turned to the water would be filled. The ones that were turned in any other direction, whether it was this way or that way or upside down, man, they're going to get wet, but they're not going to be filled. I want to be filled. I want the fullness of what God has. I can't afford to try and do this on my own. And I don't want to because I don't want people to look at me and say, man, you're amazing. Because I know. I was fearfully and wonderfully made like every human being. But the amazing is God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And God wants to do good and perfect and miraculous, supernatural things in your life and through your life so other people would get a splash of life on them. And once they get a splash of it, they're going to want more. Prophesy. Say to the breath, say to the breath, <laughs> come from the four winds and breathe on the slain so they'll live. You know, there's no life without the Spirit of God. Oh yeah, there's human existence, but we're talking about real life. When we receive Christ as our Lord, we repent of our sin. We receive Christ as our Lord. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. That's the beginning of the life that God has for us. Up until that point, God's doing what he can, but it's very limited. From that point on, it becomes unlimited. Because the unlimited God comes to live in you by his Spirit. In John 6, 63, it says this. It's the Spirit who, what? Gives life. This is what the Bible says. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits some. Come on. Is that what it says? It says nothing. Well, it couldn't possibly mean nothing. Look at all we can do. You know what? It amounts to nothing. The stuff we do without God is not eternal. The stuff we do as God guides us and governs us, as, as we are so in awe of God and, and so trusting of God and so obeying God, what, what that is, that's eternal. Now, it may not be spectacular, but it's going to be supernatural. Man, there are a lot of supernatural things that go on in our days that we don't even recognize because they're not spectacular, because we're geared towards, oh, you need to see, this is amazing, look at this spectacular thing. The enemy tries to do spectacular stuff. He comes as an angel of light. <laughs> Ooh. It's like being at a fireworks, right? Wow. 
a lot of times, you know, when, when Jesus took the little boy's lunch and fed the 5,000, there wasn't any, oh, look, oh, there's this little boy's lunch. Ooh, ah, yeah, but what they did with it, it was amazing. Do you know what? The people that were being fed didn't know anything about that. They were set down in groups all over the place. Think about that. Over 5,000 people. They had to be scattered all over. The disciples see Jesus take this. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. And the disciples were the ones that took these baskets. And they're like, okay, whew, this is a big group here. I don't know if I have enough. Because they got a handful. If that, and they go up to this group with fear and trembling because they're hungry and he's got a handful. <laughs> and he gives to the first one. Oh, there's still more. Gives to three and he's, he's expecting his hand to be, his basket to be empty and it's still got food. Spectacular? Not as far as anybody else knows. Supernatural? Absolutely. And then when it was all done, they collect. Because, you know, when you're handing out food, usually you start to get hungry for food, right? Well, I do. And, and so they're handing all this out to 5,000 people. It didn't take a half an hour. It took a while. And, and they're getting hungrier and hungrier. And they're, You know what they're doing? Because I would do it. I think, I think they're like me. I wonder if there's going to be enough left for me. And don't you know God's so good? They get done with handing out everybody food, and, and whoever wanted more, they could have more. And they go back to Jesus. And there are 12 full baskets, more than they started with. And they just fed 5,000 people that didn't know anything about it. They just knew they had their need met. And the disciples are like, wow. Oh, wow. I want to be a part of that. I don't think God's done doing that kind of stuff. I believe the greatest miracles are yet to come. And I want to be a part of that. But the only way I can be a part of that, you can be a part of that, we can be a part of that, is to have the fear of the Lord. We have such a holy awe and reverence for God. We have such a respect, such a love, such a trust, such an obedience. The Bible says when we've been faithful in little, we're given more. But why aren't we given more? Because we're not being faithful with what we have. We have opportunities all the time. What are we doing with them? And I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm just here to wake us all up and say, hey. If we're looking for the greater things, we got to do what we have right before us. Man, let's, let's, let's talk to people about the commercial on the Super Bowl. Hey, did you see that commercial? What would you think? And just hear what they have to say. They may say, I don't like that Christian stuff. Okay. You know, I do. I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus. I don't do it right all the time, but I'm getting better at it. 
Don't come back with, well, then you're going to hell. Come on, man. That's what we've done. We've tried to scare them into heaven. And I want you to know, fear doesn't work. Love never fails. Love never fails. It's the spirit who gives life. Flesh profits nothing. That's why we can't just do what we think is best. We have to be directed, guided, governed by Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. And he says, Jesus says this, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. You know, if all we have the Word, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. If we have a vast knowledge of the Word of God, we can get really prideful. And, and someone said, if all you're doing is dealing with the Spirit and we don't know what Spirit we're dealing with, it just kind of fluffs you up. But when you have the Spirit and the Word, you grow up. We need the Spirit of God. We need time with the Spirit of God. That's what prayer and fasting was about. As a matter of fact, when Jesus uh, took care of that man's son... And he, he, the disciples came to him later and said, what did we do wrong? What, what's going on here? How come we couldn't do that? And he said, this one doesn't come out without prayer and fasting. And guess what? Jesus didn't say, I'll be back in a week after I fasted. Jesus lived a fasted life. And as much as we did a wonderful thing with prayer and fasting, I'm telling you right now, we should always be prepared. Live a fasted life. That doesn't mean that you have to go without food all the time. You may have to fast social media. You may have to fast something that you enjoy doing, but live a fasted life so you're always prepared to be available to God, to be used whatever way God wants to use you, if that's important. So it's the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God. It's, it's what God is wanting. He wants this, the Spirit of God to breathe on these bones. That they would live. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 2. Where in verse 7, God forms man of the, the earth, the dust of the ground. And then he breathes the breath of life into him. And he becomes a living being. And the Spirit of God comes into him. It's just like Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 22, where the resurrected Lord comes and into a place where the disciples are behind locked doors because they're afraid of the Jews, what they're going to do to them because they've just killed Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus comes in and he greets them, peace be with you. And then he, he, he tells them, I'm going to send you out the way my father sent me out. And when Jesus was about to enter his ministry, remember where he went? He went down to the, the river, Jordan, and he saw John the Baptist, and he was baptized, and what happened? Yeah, God spoke. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit of God came down like a dove. He wasn't a dove, but, but he was gentle, and so he came down like a dove and was with Jesus. The Spirit of God came on him. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit of God out into the wilderness. And the Bible says the Spirit of God led him out there. And what did he go out to face? The enemy, the temptation. And he was tempted for 40 days and nights. 
in all sorts of ways. And the way he beat the temptation was, he said, it is written. This is the word made flesh, using the word to combat the enemy. You and I have no choice to do it any other way that it will work. It is written. And then the Bible tells us in Luke that he returned in the power of the Spirit. He went out full of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. So there's a difference there. And it's when we get to the place where we are absolutely reliant on the Holy Spirit. Because you and I carry the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Man, there's, that's the Spirit of God that's in us. How come we're not doing the things Jesus did? Because he said, you'll do the things I do and greater. Because we haven't gone through the things we've gone through and made a just absolutely bottom foundation. This is not changing. I'm trusting God. I'm honoring God. I'm reverencing God. I'm fearing God. I'm obeying God, no matter what. Because that's where the power comes. You and I can carry the Spirit of God until we go to see Jesus and never walk in the power of the Spirit. Until we get radical. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro across all the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully turned towards him so he can show himself strong, powerful on their behalf. You want the power of God? Sell out. No more compromise. Now, does that mean we're not going to make mistakes? No, we're going to make mistakes, but that's what 1 John 1, 9 is for. We confess our sin to God. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. We're reinstated. Things are wiped clean. We're going on. You don't have to keep worrying over what you did if you take it to God and truly repent, turn out of it. Don't confess your sin to God and then go back into it the next day. Because God, God is waiting to pour out the power. In this next move of God that's already occurring, it is not where we're going to have this one and that one, this Billy Graham and, and this other one and this, this, you know. God is going to work by his spirit and his word in his power through all sorts of us know names because God knows our name. But we have to pay the price. We have to pray the price. We have to be willing to let go of things that really don't matter. Man, I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that say, I can't, I can't, I can't memorize Scripture. And yet you ask them a question about what they have a passion about, uh, whether it's cooking or baseball, and, and they'll name off all sorts of ingredients or, or recipes or, or statistics. You know, I know guys that know all sorts of statistics. There's no way I could remember those, but I can because it's more important to me than the statistics of baseball or football or, or any of that. Soccer is Scripture. 
But if you can memorize stuff and you say, I can't memorize Scripture, then what you're saying is Scripture isn't as important as that. And please, please, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm trying to help us recognize, don't waste our lives on stuff that doesn't matter. There's a lot. We have more opportunities than any time in human history. And yet, what are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our talents? What are we doing with our resources? Because eternity is coming quickly. And that's going to show what was really important. And there's nothing, nothing more important than God. I don't know. Did I didn't even look. Cheryl, did we put up John 20, 22? Okay, thank you. I was, I was so involved. Sorry. So, so he, he, he prophesies to the breath, and in verse 10, this is what happens. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as he commanded me. Again, fear of the Lord is showing that he is going to do exactly and fully what God said. I remember this. Years ago, Frank was, was preaching a message right here. And he was saying that delayed obedience is disobedience. And I have, it's always stuck with me, and it's true. When I hesitate to be obedient to God, I'm being disobedient. He immediately prophesied. If we really trust God, we're not going to hesitate. Just like Ezekiel did. He did not hesitate. So I prophesy as he's commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived. They lived. And then they did another thing. What's it say? What, what did they do? What was the next action they took? They stood up. They arose. I want you to know, God wants the church to arise. But you can't do it without the Spirit of God. You can't do it because you're just fighting so hard. I'm going to get up. I'm going to tell you, you and I can keep getting up and the enemy will keep knocking us down. But the one he can't knock down because the enemy's under his feet is the Lord. And if we'll allow the Lord to truly be Lord, then the Bible says you can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means will harm you. That's not my word. That's God's word. That's God's word to anybody who will qualify and believe it. Are we going to fear God? Or are we going to fear what man thinks? Are we going to obey but God? Or are we going to obey ourselves, our own desires? You know, one of the commercials, Obey Your Thirst. You can't serve two masters. And I'm going to tell you, one of the indications of the last days, their God will be their belly. We're seeing it. I got a belly? Some of you are like, I don't want to see that. 
and if I obey God, my belly won't keep getting bigger. Well, some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> they stood on their feet, and look at this. Look at this. An exceedingly great army. They weren't just individuals that now had life in them. They arose. They rose up in the power of God, the Spirit of God, the life of God, and they were an exceedingly great army. That's pointing towards Israel and what God was going to do, but it's also pointing towards the church. God wants the church to arise with His Spirit, the life of God in us. I'm talking about the power of the Spirit. I'm talking about the baptism of the Spirit. And some of you, I, I was there too. I, what is this baptism stuff? Man, you guys are way out there. I will tell you that my life radically changed. I had been saved. I got saved at the baseball diamond at Fort Stanwix, behind Fort Stanwix School. I didn't know they held services out there. It was me and God in a very bad baseball game where we were getting destroyed, and I just cried out to God. I said, God, please help me. If you're real, please help me. And I will tell you, I knew his presence was there. I, I, I said, I need you. Please don't leave me. From that day forward, I was saved. The Spirit of God was in residence in me. But I will tell you, it wasn't until Christmas Eve. Again, here in New York, when we were living in Mississippi, that we came up, we had heard about my parents being filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, had a prayer language. And, and I don't have time today to go into all this. But I'm telling you, it's all in the Bible. And, and I wanted... I wanted everything God had. I wanted to be filled with the Spirit. I needed to be filled with the Spirit. I saw my wife filled with the Spirit when she had a need to be able to be with her mom when she was dying. And Peter Puglio laid hands on me and prayed for me. And that night, I was filled with the Spirit of God and I received a prayer language where I was able to do what the, the Apostle Paul says, Pray with my understanding and pray in the Spirit. And when I prayed in the Spirit, I was praying the perfect will of God and things I didn't necessarily understand. But you know what? A lot of us don't want to do that because we want to be in control. We want to know. we got to have all the information. And I'm telling you right now, you got to trust God. You can't. I can't. We can't have it on our terms. This is not we're Lord. It's not Burger King style. This is Jesus' Lord. He is the only master. He is the only Lord. We have to give way to him. Lord, where are we? <laughs> yes, this exceedingly great army. Because Ezekiel feared the Lord. He reverenced the Lord, he honored the Lord, and he was obedient. And I'm just going to share these three scriptures real quickly. You need to write them down. 
Proverbs 1.7 in the Amplified. It says, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principal choice part of knowledge. It's the starting point in essence. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of your life. If you don't fear the Lord, then you're going to be playing back and forth with God. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll obey you here because I think it's going to work out, and I'm going to disobey you here. And that's double-mindedness. We receive nothing from God, and we're unstable in all our ways. In Psalm 33, verse 18 and 19, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear him, who revere and worship him in awe, who wait upon him. And hope in his mercy and loving kindness to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And there are situations that come, we think, oh man, this is the end. God will deliver you if you fear him because if you don't, you're going to try and figure your way out or work your way out instead of letting God lead you out. And he's the only one that knows the way. And in Psalm 85, verse 9. In the New Living Translation, it says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Now listen, his salvation is near to those who fear him, and <laughs> so our land will be filled with his glory. Our land will be filled with his glory as we walk in the fear of God. We'll be rescued from death, famine, all these things, when there is a need, if we're walking in the fear of the Lord, man, he's going to take care of everything. Now, he's going to guide you. You may have to speak some things that you're not normally speaking and do some things you don't normally do, but that's the way of life. And this is what God has. The question is, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? How important is this to us? And, and I, I don't apologize for getting excited about this because there's nothing worth more getting excited about. I know the game's coming. And, you know, people are going to get crazy. People are going to be screaming and yelling, and I'm probably going to be one of them. But if I scream and yell for a football team that is supposedly the world champions this year. Why? Why? Why would I not scream and cheer and jump and shout and dance for the one who is the world champion, settled, done, and over? not going to be another, another contest. He beat the enemy. He conquered hell and death in the grave. And you <laughs> are part of that team. You're part of that team. So get excited about the Super Bowl, but get fanatical about God. Amen? Amen. I, I just want you to close your eyes. You know, a lot's been said here. Man, I wish all of it was in my notes. But a lot's been said here today, and not everything is for you, but something is. Don't leave here without it. It's, it's so important and critical for you to be able to face this week because God knows what you're going to face, and he always gives you what you need before you need it.
It's just that we have to recognize it. And uh, some of you have to recognize that you need him, that you have not come to that place where you've turned your life over to him. You're still trying to do your own life, your own way. And invite him in when you can't handle it. But I'm telling you right now, he won't, he won't be able to do what he wants to do until you give him your life. He'll never force anything on you. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to the Lord, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray together. But I want to know if there's somebody here that that's what you want to do. You want a brand new beginning. Because the Bible says you become a new creation in Christ. And if that's you, and, and you want to pray this morning, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. Then I trust. Let's, let's all pray this prayer together. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into the earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for all sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I confess I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, come into my life, be Lord of my life, cleanse me, and give me a brand new beginning. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine, thank you for saving me, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now having prayed that prayer, you may not feel different. I'm going to tell you, you probably don't look different, but I guarantee you are different because the Bible tells, tells us you are. But I would encourage you to tell somebody that you prayed today that, that this is a brand new beginning because they're going to celebrate it and they're going to be praying for you. And if you want us to pray for you, let myself know, let Pastor Gabe know or Pastor Jeremy know uh, or Judy know. Um, so that we can be praying for you. For the rest of you, if you just close your eyes one more time, I know, I know, it's not the game time yet. But again, we were talking about the fact that there are things that God has special for us, and we need that. That, that word that was just for us, God, God may wanted to uh, encourage us or affirm something or make, have us make an adjustment. That's, that's called the rhema word. It's what the Bible calls the sword of the Spirit. And that word is critical for you to be able to fight the battles that are ahead of you and have the victory. So, Lord, help us to recognize what it was. And, and realize that it's not just this moment in time. He wants to show you throughout this week things that he wants you to be reminded of to encourage you and fortify you and, and provide for you to be able to overcome no matter what you face. So, Father, I thank you right now for sealing that to our hearts. Help us to be reminded of this. If we need to, help us to write it down to remind ourselves that, Father, this week as we walk, we walk with you. We thank you that you live in us. Help us to walk in the fear of you, that reverence. Help our respect, our honor, our, our esteem, our awe of you increase. But, Father, we can't do it looking at the world. We have to do it as we gaze upon you. And as we do, as, as we read in the word for you today, today, we go from glory to glory. 
Father, we want to experience that ever-increasing glory, and we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Have a great week.